evening. Okay, let me get this going here. Okay, yep, we, uh, last week we kind of, we started looking at our, our next series that we're going to be looking at on Sunday evening, um, about what's on your mind, discovering, discover the power of biblical thinking, and I think everyone who was here last week will say, I think it's going to be really good, the, um, we kind of just did the, kind of the introduction and then kind of the introduction to chapter, to the, to part one, um, and again, as I mentioned, it's gonna some things might be a little bit different than how we maybe have been before. Um, like for example, I think next week we're actually gonna do lessons two and three together, just because they're lesson two is pretty short, and we're probably gonna do four and five together as well, because lesson five is really short. It's just trying to figure out the best way to do things. So I have to be a little flexible, so bear with me on some of this um, as we as we look at it. Um, and I will say, like, with how the book's written, it's almost written more as kind of like a book, not necessarily like a teaching kind of outline. So, um, like, with the outline that we look at here, it might be a little different. Like, we might go back and look at the whole point and I give you the blanks at one time or something. We'll figure it out because it's not laid out the same as how we uh, often these normally are. Um, but I think what we're going to do is we're, I'll go back and read... The, the introduction just to part one, not the full introduction that we did last week, uh, but just the introduction um, to part one, which, just maybe I'll say this, is there anything that was interesting last week to anybody in particular, um, just for recap? And you remember what that was? The average person thinks 10,000 thoughts a day. It's a lot. Anything else? His willingness to change. Is it is it is really interesting of how much the Bible has to say about your mind, and because in Proverbs I don't remember the references for as a man thinketh in his heart so is he, because your thoughts become your actions. So really, that's the root of the thing, not necessarily. The action, obviously, that is, but it starts here. Um, so if we can get that right, you get the mind right, you get the actions right. Um, so this kind of was kind of a little bit of the premise, kind of setting the stage on that um, for from last week. So again, it's kind of we're kind of organized, and there's actually three different sections, three different parts, kind of in the book. The first one, at part one, we're looking at lesson one tonight, is called brainwashed Christianity. So again, I'm going to go ahead and read the uh, the introduction to that again before we actually jump jump into lesson one um, but here it goes has anyone ever said to you a penny for your thoughts there are times in life when it would be interesting to be a mind reader but god never has to wonder what's on your mind because he already knows so i'm sure noah and his family were aware of how wicked their culture had become just a few generations after the fall, society had sunk to the depths of depravity. When looking past the outer manifestations of sin, God's laser-like eyes could see right to the source of their problem. This is Genesis 6-5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, 
and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The actions of man were merely a result of his thoughts. Now, David understood that God knows our thoughts, and he gives some good counsel to his son. This is First uh, Chronicles 28, 9. It says, And now, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts, and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. It says, we think we can conceal our thoughts, and we're pretty good at masking them. But the prophet of old can cut, cuts right through that facade in Ezekiel 11.5. says, for I know the thoughts that come into your mind, every one of them. That's kind of scary, thinking about God saying that. Every thought. We've never had a thought, a desire, a motive, an attitude, a whim, or a dream that God didn't clearly know. Now, as normal human beings, we enjoy things that are clean. Clean hands, clean silverware, clean clothes, a clean car. We build our houses with sinks and showers. We install dishwashers and washing machines. Frequent trips to the car washes are essential in taking care of your vehicles. You feel better after a shower and enjoy putting on clean clothes. No one wants to eat with a dirty fork or drive a car that's filthy. So why do we put up with the polluted mind? Why do we go day after day, week after week, year after year with layers of filth covering our minds? Do you need to be brainwashed? We hear a lot about water pollution, air pollution, noise pollution, sight pollution. That's an interesting one. We're worried about the ozone layer, the Earth's atmosphere, being destroyed because of all those chemicals coming from our houses and our, our cars. But it's time we get concerned about mind pollution. Long before there were environmentalists and ecologists demanding to be heard, Micah the prophet was sounding an alarm. This is Micah 2.10. says, Arise ye and depart, for this is not your rest, because it is polluted. It shall destroy you even with a sore destruction. Indeed, filthy brains lead to faulty behavior. If we don't get to the brainwash today, we'll wake up with a behavior wreck tomorrow. Of course, the cleansing that's needed starts with salvation. Try as though we may, with our own efforts, we can never cleanse ourselves from our sin nature. Isaiah 64, 6, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. You know, a thousand moral deeds and a million religious rituals can never wash away the sin on our heart. Initial cleansing from sin can only come through the person, capital P, who declares, come now and let us reason together. Saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary's cross is the only cleansing agent for sin. Says Hebrews 9.14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The Christians at Corinth knew all about the truth of William Cowper's hymn long before it was penned. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. 
And 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11 is, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. If you've never experienced the joy of having your sins forgiven, call upon Christ today. His blood has the power to cleanse you of your sinful past and give you eternal life in heaven. And then as children of God, we're not exempt from allowing the filth of sin to stain our lives. Positionally, we've been cleansed by the blood of Christ and are before God justified from our sin. But practically, we still battle on a daily level the pollutions of this old world. King David had succumbed to the temptations of sin. Lustful thoughts led to adultery, deception, and even murder. And that's a sad state of affairs for a man after God's own heart. David knew where to go for cleansing. And he cries from the depths of his soul here in Psalm 51, 1-2, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to, the, to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Is it time for a brainwash? Is God inviting you to cleanse your mind as he did the city of Jerusalem? Jeremiah 4.14 O Jerusalem, wash thine heart from wickedness, that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? How much longer will you go with your mind filled with empty, wicked thoughts? Remember, if God isn't in control of your mind, you will soon lose control of your manners. In the latter half of Acts 17, we find the Apostle Paul making his way to a place called Mars Hill. As he arrives, he observes these intellectual people steeped in pagan pluralism. They had altars for every kind of god you could think of. They even erected one to the unknown god. It appears that their intellectualism had caused them to stop thinking. It reminds me of the dad who bought a bicycle for his son. After opening the box and looking at the large booklet of instructions on how to assemble the bike, he was totally confused. For the life of him, he couldn't follow the step-by-step -step instructions outlined in the manual. Finally, he sought the help of an old handyman who lived next door. The old fellow picked up the pieces, studied them, and then began assembling the bicycle. In a short time, he had it put together. That's amazing, said the dad, and you did it without even looking at the instructions. Fact is, said the old man, I can't read. And when a fellow can't read, he's got to think. A lot of people today are professing themselves to be wise, and they've become fools. Romans 1.22. Paul challenges these intellectuals on Mars Hill to start thinking correctly. The brainwashed person will come to four realizations. And the first one is what we're looking at tonight in chapter number one, is the realization of a created mind. The realization of a created mind. No computer will ever match the ability of the human brain. 
Our minds have an amazing capacity to receive, store, and process information at unbelievable speeds and in unparalleled amounts. So point number one is our minds are, starts with a D. What is that? Not divine, it's close. Designed. Our minds are designed creations. The architect and creator of all things is God himself. John 1, 3. I don't know what verses are on your sheet and what verses aren't. Is that one on there? I think. Okay. John 1, 3 is all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The self-made man doesn't exist. <laughs> kind of heard a little bit about that this morning. It's interesting. John 3.27 says, A man can receive nothing except it were given him from heaven. Man boasts of his knowledge and skill, but without God we can do nothing. 1 Corinthians 4.7 says, For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? I think that's talking about the whole I'm of a Paul, I'm of a Paulus type argument that a lot of the people at Corinth were having in different things there. But our minds are designed creations. And to be honest, I don't think I have enough faith to be an evolutionist. To believe that we evolved over billions of years from a tiny amoeba that was floating in water, and of course we haven't yet explained where the water came from or the planet on which the water existed, takes a lot of faith. There are just too many gaps in that theory that must be filled with enormous faith for me to believe it. I find it a lot easier to believe by faith the words of the psalmist. This is Psalm 33, 6-9. It says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as in heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. And then perhaps the most intricate of all creations is the human body. Now, so this is Psalm 139, 13 to 17. Can you go ahead and start that, Pastor? For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, in that thy soul, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance is not hidden from thee, when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. And I did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in my book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. Paul begins his address to those on Mars Hill by saying, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. Our bodies and minds are designed creations. And then um, these are actually the sub-points in it. 
first one is created by the, starts with an F. Created by the Father, yep. And the second one was calling for R. It doesn't necessarily, you might not have uh, picked up on that one. It also starts with an F. And following, shorter word. Short, calling for faith, yep. So point two here, not only are, are not only are we designed creations, but our minds are under a something control. Also starts with a D. What was that? What is divine, yes. Our minds are under a divine control. As part of God's creation, we are not in charge. The minds that God has created within us have astounding capabilities, but they are limited. Only God is omniscient. We are limited in our knowledge because God has placed a boundary on our minds. And what's the first verse on your sheet for this section? There's none? Okay. Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. While man has accumulated information for centuries so that we as individuals do not have to learn everything from scratch, which is kind of nice, God still declares in Isaiah 55, 8-9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Paul reminds these intellectuals that in Acts 17, 26, that hath made of one, talking about God, that God hath made of one blood all nations of the, of man, yeah, try that again. God hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. When I hear the development of science in areas like cloning, I wonder if we're getting close to the boundary that God has set for our minds. There are many things that God knows are best that we do not know. Don't let what you can't understand weaken your faith. I can't humanly explain the eternal being of God. I can't put into human terms the fact that God had no beginning, but has always existed. That is impossible for me to fathom, but my inability to explain it makes it no less true. That's where faith enters the equation. And one day our faith will become sight. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. Our good God has placed a divine control upon our minds. And then the, uh, the ones in here, um, in that point, we have, starts with an L. Living, kind of the first part of what we talked about. Limited. A limited mind. It's more speaking of us. 
And then this also starts with an L. Same word we just looked at, just a couple extra letters on it. Limit less, yes. Limit less. So then on to point three. Of course, we're talking about a created mind in the sense of we are, um, our minds are design creations. Our minds are under, are under a divine control. And then our minds can make sort of the D choices. <laughs> Is true. Deliberate. deliberate. Our minds can make deliberate choices. <laughs> Along with the ability of our minds to receive, process, and store information, God has given us the ability to make choices about that information. Paul reminded the audience that they have a choice about whom they will worship. This is Acts 17, 27 to 28. It says that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. What's the ver is there verses under this one? Okay, yep. Animals are created with an instinctive reflex. They don't think before they react. If you surprisingly pull a dog's ears, he may bite you. The Book of Proverbs tells you that's a very unwise thing to do <laughs> because he's simply reacting to an adverse stimuli. The human brain, however, has the ability to pause between stimuli and response so that a right choice can be made. God has created a buffer between the stimulus and the response. Scientists have been studying the brain for years, and while there is much to learn, here's what they say about the human mind's capability of choice. A lot of big words in here. Neuronal activity begins in the sensory areas of the brain for as much as a second before the voluntary motion activity occurs. Also, neuronal activity begins in the premotor areas of the cortex and in some areas of the basal ganglia many milliseconds before motor activity occurs in the motor cortex. Therefore, it is currently thought that cerebration occurring in these in integrative portions of the brain, operating in association with the cerebellum, conceives and plans the complex sequence of movements that is to be executed. Only after the plan has been established is the primary motor system set into action to cause the sequential movements. It's interesting. Basically, part of your brain has the stimuli, and before it actually happens, this, the, the process essentially is planned out of what you're going to do. That's why we come to understand that to be tempted is not sin. Even Jesus was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 4.15. In other words, the same wrong stimuli that calls to us every day likewise tempted our Savior. But in that moment of choice, he did not sin, for he was God. In that split second of time between temptation 
in response, our minds have the ability to choose. Think about the following two stories from Scripture. In both cases, there was temptation, but the choices made were very different. And these are the two um, sections of Scripture there. Um, first one is Genesis 3, 1 to 6. I don't remember where we are. Let's start there. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So that's an example you can see of a not good response to the stimuli. Then the next one is here is Genesis 39, um, 7 through 10. So we can... And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Genesis, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened unto her, not unto her, to abide by her, or to be with her. What a difference a simple choice made in these lives. Both were tempted. That wasn't the sin, but it was what they did with that temptation that made the difference between right and wrong. We're not simply products of our environment, as Sigmund Freud and Carl Rogers would have us believe, nor are we simply conditioned in our behavior by stimuli, as B.F. Skinner and others would teach, that they're all like founders of the modern psychology. We're products of our choices conceived in our minds and carried out in our actions. No one can make us do wrong without our consent. The devil made me do it, right? Solomon of old understood well the power of choices and advised his son in Proverbs 1.10, If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Consent. Put that in there. The human mind is a fascinating work of God. We're a design creation under divine control with an ability to make deliberate choices. It would be wise for us to daily ask our Creator in Psalm 19:14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. So that's lesson one. There's a couple questions here. We'll, we'll look at those here real quick. Um, first question is, who is the Creator of your mind? an easy question. John 1, 3. It's God. What is the most intricate of all creations? See Psalm 119, 13 to 17. 
What's the most intricate of all creations that God made? Us. Question three. In a split second of time between temptation and response, our mind has the ability to make a choice. Compare and contrast the following stories, the stories that we read. Even the serpent in Galatians three, or Genesis 3 and then Joseph in Genesis 39. How were their responses to temptation different and were their temptations similar? So how were their responses to temptation different? Kind of went along thinking about it. Anything else? Yea, hath God said? Anything else? How are they different? Say that. Any other thoughts on that one? That kind of yeah, kind of bleeds a little bit into the next the next part of that. No, were their temptations similar? Could be yes and no. You know, it's interesting. It both involves seeing something. She allowed herself to be talked into. Yeah. Then Joseph. She got marketed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm not reading it. But uh, like for myself, it's like, oh, just be content. How much happier? Because the Joseph would think he was content with the state that God had put him in, maybe, in that particular situation. Day by day. Yeah. Yep. So question four says God has placed boundaries on your mind, your knowledge and understanding. Do you find yourself trusting your logic, your limited mind? instead of God's omniscience. And it says, list five areas in your life in which you need to trust God. So what are some, what are some areas, I guess, thinking about that specifically? What are some areas in that we need to trust God in instead of our own limited mind in that regard? A lot of different things, right? Yeah. 
Eternity. Eternity. Yeah. Even like sort of the examples uh, being tempted and stuff. Uh, there's some things. You know, hopefully, you know, we don't know personally the outcome of stuff. Um, we just gotta trust God for. But like with Eve, she didn't seem to like trust the Lord that He had the very best for her. Was thinking the very best for her. That's why. Joseph, it seemed like he, he knew that even his master didn't hold anything from him, save this one thing. So he seemed to know, yeah, that's God in his life has, has been blessing him. And he's, you know, how could he sin when it's obvious that the Lord has the best for him? Yeah, there's like some things have experience in, but you can see and just need to trust the Lord that he has the very best for us. He wants the very best for us. How can we sin? That's interesting. It's making me think of this when you were saying that. Both of those were geared toward God is withholding something from you that you want, that you like. I don't know, because like Horse Eve no, in that situation, then Joseph and a similar thing. It boiled down to God is withholding something from you. It's kind of interesting. Thinking about that. Anything else? Some things that. Why did it take Jesus dying on the cross to take away our sins? What's what's the true reasoning behind all that? And I say that also that there's some things I think with God we're just limited, we we can't know, but maybe there's some things that we need to seek his face on that are difficult, but he will reveal to us. So until we meditate and really seek after him, um, then sometimes our limits are us, not the limits God Any other thoughts on that one before we, before we move on? So the last one is not really a question, but it says, write out the wise counsel that David gave to his son in 1 Chronicles 28.9. So I think everybody's got their paper. Just go ahead and just write out that verse, turn it, find it in your Bible. Go to 1 Chronicles 28.9, and then just write it out on your sheet there. I'll write it up here on the board. First Chronicles 
So basically, what is that in a nutshell? Specifically, it's getting to, it gets to your mind. A willing mind and a perfect heart gets down to what's inside. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. That's going to, of course, if you seek him, he'll, he will be found of you. And if not, if you don't seek him, he'll cast you off. But isn't it interesting? How about he's, it's focusing up here, what's really inside, not just an outward manifestation, because it starts in here, because the outward is just the result of what's in here. On that. So any other thoughts that maybe stood out to you about the lesson in general at all? Anything else? Any other things particularly with the lesson tonight? or And where, like, all that fails on the scientific level is it's limited to the physical. That's what they try. It's where they're only limited to. It's limited to the physical. You cannot enter into the emotional or the spiritual. It's purely on the physical level. On that. And, uh, just what you said earlier, it kind of ties into uh, that book, Cherish in Mind Road, and that's kind of done some things on it. Like the three parts of a person, mind, body, and spirit, of just like what your mind is, is who you are in that verse. Right. You know, I forgot what it is. Um, what I mean, think of so is he.
two pretty like same bodies, so to speak, or similar bodies, but two totally different mindsets. Possibly making entertainment. Interesting. It's interesting that I just think about the idea that of that buffer between the stimulus and then the response. On that, it's kind of interesting. Because like, yeah, like with animals, they're purely instinctual. No. You pull your dog's ears, he doesn't sit there and think, you know what, I really feel like biting him, but I don't think I will because he feeds me. Right? Like, your dog doesn't do that. <laughs> you don't think like that. No, we so much, we try to humanize animals, you know, <laughs> and things and stuff. But it, there's a clear distinction between people and animals. Phrase one time one of those crazy things I think about. If pets could talk, there'd be a lot less pet owners. <laughs> yep, if pets could talk, there'd be a lot less pet owners. <laughs> it's true. I hate that guy. <laughs> Why do they do that? <laughs> Yep, and there probably people would not maybe would go to the zoos either. But anyway, <laughs> oh, more humans coming to visit us at the zoo. <laughs> the human zoo is walking around. <laughs> they have us in here to protect us. To protect, we're protecting ourselves from that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, again, it's really interesting. Just getting, I think this is kind of just trying to start laying the groundwork for what it's going to build up upon in this study and this of just. Um, we're not victims of our environment. It's con deliberate choices. There's a buffer between the stimuli and the response. And again, the stimuli, to be stimulated in that way, is not, that's not the wrong thing. It's like talking about Christ. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. All that. So yeah, so I think it's a, a good foundational lesson. Next week we'll um, actually do... Lesson two and three. Plan to do that. Lesson two's uh, shorter again. Lesson three's a longer one, so it might take a little bit more, um, more time to get through everything next week. But uh, lesson three, there's actually a couple pretty good uh, illustrations and stories in this one. So um, uh, looking forward to it. And from that, some really good um, um, illustrations, really to the point. So lesson two is the real. Again, it's talking about brainwashed Christianity. We had the realization of a created mind. Lesson two is the realization of a changed mind. And then lesson three is the realization of a conscientious mind. Again, um, so hopefully you're back, hopefully you're here next week and we can uh, go through those uh, two lessons together. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for um, tonight and just the, the lesson of what we're um, of what we're looking at and everything. And um, it's kind of laying the groundwork for talking about our mind and just an amazing thing you've given to us. Again, how if we can kind of, if we can get that right, it get our actions right. Um, but often it's not right, so therefore our actions aren't right. And um, that we allow us, allow you, that we would be renewed by the renewing of our mind by your word. And ask you to be with us as we go, um, go to our homes and bring us back together again safely on Wednesday. 
Um, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I don't think I got you the blanks for the last section, did we? It's a choice to, it starts with an R. An idea of deliberate choices. Um, it's a choice to reverence. Is that one. It's a choice to reverence. A chance to, start with an R as well, short through letter word, chance to run. Similar on that. 